Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host today, filling in for Joe Prano, a great fill-in, back again, the one and only Sean Merriman. How you doing, man? I'm good, and I'll tell you what, Sean, you don't have to deal with Joe's love of Eli Manning today. You know, I always felt some static every time he was here. Like when he started <laughs> talking about Eli and... I knew he was always waiting for me to finish whatever my answer was so he can jump back in with a silly Eli, Eli answer, and I can feel it. I don't have that feeling yeah. anymore today. That's good. You know what he said to me? It's funny. He said, I'm not going to be there. He's in New York doing a bunch of shows. He said, make sure you stick up for me in the Philip Rivers-Eli discussion. I'm glad he's not here today, <laughs> honestly, because I'll throw out facts, and, and no matter what I – win with because I'm obviously going to win that conversation he's going to win with the Super Bowls yeah and I and I, I'm just glad that I don't have to talk about that today yeah that's a great thing well we, ha- we have a real interesting team today I've now deemed him the Taysom Hill of dirty sports Tug Coker who you know obviously all the dirt balls know Tug who is our number one fill-in co-host is filling in for Aaron today as the intern Hello, Andy. Hello, Sean. <laughs> Tug, my man. Now, as, as, as I alluded to last episode, Sean is on season one of a show I created, and now we're talking. He's the very first athlete to appear on the show. Crushes it. One of the great people on set. So when I heard he was coming back around, I had to come pay my respects. Also, because I'm a member of the DMV, I got to give my, my shout-outs and pay my respects to Sean Merriman. The DMV, baby. You know, we're, we're a different breed. I try we to are. tell people we're, we're different. What, what's, I don't even know. What's the DMV? Oh, man. Is that something oh, Sean. with something with Sean, Virginia? where do we start with that? You want, you want me to handle this? Yeah, you, you do want it. To take you it? do it. It's, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Okay. Man, it's, that, it's the area where you find the most talent, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, football, basketball, entertainment, you name it. Um, some of the greats and people don't know. They never might come out here and make it. In Hollywood, but they're originally from that Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. Give me, give me, just toss me some names. Uh, Martin Lawrence. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, acting wise, Sandra Bullock. Sandra, yeah. Warren Beatty. Uh, I mean, wow. You know, and then, and then sports wise, a lot of guys. Oh, tons. Vic. Well, Tidewater is. I mean, that's like, that's like a hotbed. But you know, even the D.C. areas. Yeah. Lo- I mean, loaded. Was Allen Iverson from that area? Tidewater. Virginia. Chris. Yeah. Chris Brown. For real, Trey songs. I mean, you you name it. We're we're out just in that just in that D.C. Maryland Virginia area. Let me tell you, we're just we're loaded. Yeah. In, you know, just just talent. You know, we breed talent out there. And they what happens is sometimes you don't always because it's not like the entertainment capital of the country. Yeah. We got a lot of talent, but guys go other places to to make it. I don't know, guys. I'm from Cincinnati. I got Pete Rose, Jerry Springer, Skyline Chili. And Gary Owens. <laughs> that's that's right. it. That's right. But that's but that's it. That's we got I a few more. 
I'm, I'm just messing around, but Ken Griffey Jr. I forgot to mention that, uh, you know, everyone's favorite uh, fake athlete, Danny McBride. Uh, yeah. From Eastbound and Down. He's from, from my hometown. Oh, he is? Yeah. His sister and I worked at a Red Lobster together when I was 19 years old. I was a host. Crushed it. Ooh. Ate all those biscuits at Red that's Lobster. A, that's, a, that's a personal tug nug. It is. <laughs> Deep dive tug nug. Yeah, but Danny, Danny's an awesome dude. Representing the DMV. Well, this is great. We got a nice little team here on, on Black Friday. Do you, do you go shopping on Black Friday? I, I don't really go shopping, period. Never? No. I haven't, I haven't been in a grocery store or anything like that in probably six months. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait so, so do you have it all delivered? Yeah, I have everything delivered. You haven't been in a grocery store in six months? At least, yeah. Maybe, you, maybe longer. You put the lights out on going to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you know what it is? I feel out of place. When I when I go in and I don't like I don't like being around uh, indecisive people, yeah. You know, like I don't go. Sh- I haven't been in a mall or anything like that shopping. Like I have, I have friends that are either clothing owners or own some kind of business, and they package me stuff up, and I'll swing by and grab the package, and I'm out. It's like I, I don't I haven't been I haven't been shopping in an actual store in probably you know a year. So who do you use for groceries? I use uh, I use Instacart, and they just send it to your place. Yeah. Yeah, they send them. You schedule delivery, and uh, and that's great for me because I'm I'm very like I'm a punctual person. Like if I'm gonna be somewhere at two o'clock, I'm gonna be there. What what time was I here? To, I mean, Sean showed up at eleven forty four today. He's supposed to be here at noon. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm I've, I've always been like that. Yeah. So it, if I say I, I need a delivery at two o'clock, and I know the delivery's coming at two o'clock, I'll go get a workout in and run my errands, do whatever I have to do, meetings, yeah. and then I'll be there at one fifty eight for the two o'clock delivery. And Man. it's perfect. Dude, were you always punctual like that? Yeah. Yeah, always. Even as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Even That's a, a good trait to have. Yeah, it was a weird trait to have, right? Because you, kids know me yeah. kind of show up and, you know, not never late to practice or doing that. Like, I'm always, I've always been on time. I got one question. Um, so since you're, you love, you're a punctual guy, you, you hear a lot of, um, you know, whispers about some players being late to meetings, meet, yeah. you, you know, missing team meetings. Did you ever have to give like a, like a one-on-one, like, yo, man, tight, tighten up, you know. No, and I, I never missed or been late my whole career, and that's hard because I've had a couple rough nights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I know how it is. You know, you go out and hit it on, you know, after a game or something like that, and you got to come back in and work out on Monday, and Monday morning, yeah. and you're out Sunday, and you fall asleep at 3, and you got meetings at, you know, 7.30, and you're, you're I, I'm there physically, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I've never never been late, never never missed or anything. Who was the hardest coach as far as being punctual? Was there a coach who was a big stickler on that that you played for? Friesen, Ralph Friesen in college. When when I played for Ralph Friesen, he was he was definitely tough at Maryland. Um, at Maryland, um, but also Mar- when I came into the NFL, Marty Schottenheimer, he was tough. Yeah, Mar- Marty was just tough tough on you in general. He was like that. He was going to give you that tough love. Where he was emotional and passionate about it, and um, but then you know if you if you did the thing you things you were supposed to do, he loved you. Yeah. Now I I do have a quick interjection from YouTube. We have Joe Prano on the line, and he says two things. Don't forget to tell Sean that I'm actually the co-host that defends Philip Rivers, so he's in support of Philip Rivers. And number two, talk about punctuality. He says we call that Coughlin time. 
And you could have played for the Giants and gotten two rings with Eli. <laughs> but you know, but you know what? I knew that was coming. I didn't know he was going to reach out and, and, and add on his YouTube two cents. comments. <laughs> Can we block him until I get off? Because I didn't come here for this today. And I, when I knew he wasn't, you know, so when I was pulling up, you were telling me that Joe wasn't going to be in. I'm like, hell yeah, we're gonna have a great show because I got, I got nothing. To, to have to do with Eli Manning today. Yeah. Unless he want to comment under the YouTube. He's, he's trolling. He's just popping up. Although I will give Joe that. We both, and he has converted me for sure. We're both Eli, I'm sorry, Philip, without a doubt, Hall of Famer. And and actually, that's an interesting question that I wanted to ask you. Because I got in a discussion with one of our fans on Instagram DMs. If you look, and, and Tug can probably pull this up. I think right now, Sean, top 10 all time. Passing yards, you have four current players. You have Phillip, Eli, Big Ben. Uh, actually, there's more than four. There'd be Brady. I think it's six. You're right. It's six. Brady, Breeze, and Matt Ryan is right. tenth. Are these numbers not like like how you view it? I'll be curious because I said if you're top ten all time in passing yards, and Matt Stafford should get there too, in my opinion – how can you not be a Hall of Famer? Well, because people will judge you if they like you or not. First of all, there's tons of guys in that's not in the Hall of Fame because people don't like them. Yeah. Or they're not liked by the voters or they're not liked by the people of power. Right? So that's that's one thing. But to say that a guy in the top ten all-time passing – don't deserve to get in there. He's like, oh, well, he didn't have any rings. Really? How many top ten passing leaders do you know right now that's currently in the Hall of that's in the Hall of Fame, right? That didn't deserve to be there. Every one of them. Every one of them. So when I start throwing the comparisons of Phillip Rivers out with the Dan Marino, why 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 can't I? Why you know Dan Marino was extremely well liked. People love Dan Marino. You know, people have something bad to say about Philip, and that's that's why that those comparisons are so hard for people to understand. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because, in my opinion, when people come back with, "Oh, the numbers are inflated because they throw the ball more," I always respond with this: guys like Philip Rivers, guys like Matt Ryan, guys like Matthew Stafford. Now, those guys recently had injuries this year, but those guys have the longevity that not everybody's going to have. And and I always say, if you can make it top ten all time in yards. How are you not a Hall of Famer? Because most people can't do it at that high level for such a longevity, right? That's what it all comes down to. You know, they coming out with the uh, right, like right now they have the NFL top hundred linebackers, top hundred defensive players, and all this other stuff. And people hit me up on 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 social media all the time. They tag me, and I, I don't really pay attention to all of it, but I do see it because I follow the NFL and I follow NFL Network and some of these other sources. People tag me on it all the time. Like, why isn't you? Why aren't you in here? Well, I didn't. I didn't really play long enough, you know. So I had a major impact on NFL. My time there. Yes, I was considered the most dominant or one of the most dominant players at the time that I was healthy. But to be mentioned in that category is about longevity, yeah. right? So yeah, injuries suck. You know, I wish I had a couple more healthy years. Yes, I would have loved to have a gold jacket. Yes, I would have loved to be considered one of the, you know, one of the best all time when you're talking about the top 100 players, but the truth is I didn't have the longevity. I got hurt. 
And my, my career wasn't as long as some of these guys. My, I didn't have a DeMarcus Ware kind of career. I didn't have a healthy Vaughn Miller career. So when I see it, it's like, okay, I would love to be up there. Thank you guys for uh, – I appreciate it for considering me being one of the best at my time. But longevity is is really the the, the big thing in that. And, and the Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan and, and Ben Roethlisberger, all these guys have it. Yeah. Do you ever um, – do you ever – look back with any sort of regret at your career or because of the injuries or do you ever wish because you know, you're, you're obviously a very successful guy off the field but do you ever say like man I wish my body just could have held it together or do you have any thoughts like that yeah I, I, I used to kick I used to beat myself up over it a lot especially the first couple of years um that I retired and it really really hit me one time where uh I went to um when LT I went to the Hall of Fame when LT and Danny Thomason. Yeah, Ladanian Thomason and Ray Lewis when they went to the Hall of Fame. I was that was invited out by both of them, you know, separate separate years, obviously. But when I went to LTs, and I was like, damn, you know, if I was to stay healthy, I would be up there. Yeah. Um. So it, it hit me at that moment. Even though you're happy as hell, right? Because you played with, in, in my opinion, top one or two, maybe. Let's call. Let's so for people's sakes. I don't feel like hearing any any crap. Uh, let's say top five, you know, best running backs of all time. And I'm up there, and I'm and I played with him. He's up there on the on the stage giving a, in my opinion, one of the, the best speeches that in the Hall of Fame history. Um, so you you're appreciative of that, but also you want to be. I'm an athlete. I've always been a competitor. You want to be considered one of the best. And knowing that you're not going to be considered one of the best because you don't have an opportunity to get a, a, a gold jacket and make that speech one day, you know, it, it sat in. It, like that day, yeah. it hit me the hardest. It hit me the hardest. And then also for Ray Lewis, it's like I was there in the room with him when they knocked on the door. I was there. I was, you know, him, his mom, and his, his younger brother, Keon Latimer, who I played with at the University of Maryland. He played running back. Um I was in a room, and I remember my heart jumping, waiting for them to knock on the door. Like I was, they were knocking for me. Yeah, and you know, so I I got a chance to experience that um, that moment, and I'll never forget it. And I was like, at least I know what that knock sounds like, so I'm good. So sure. I was, you know, so it was cool. That's cool. There, Andy, there's the, the top 12 list of the running backs right now going around. You, you want to take the rest of that? Yeah, I was gonna say it's a travesty. Did you see this? They, they, you know, the NFL Network, like you're saying, they're doing the top 100, top 12. Ladanian's not on the top 12 all time. And, and here's what's crazy, and Tug actually brought this to my attention. Nobody in the 21st century is on the top 12, which is kind of interesting. So they're not having him on. They're not having Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, any of the guys that are Marshall Falk. And I saw, I know Dion, I'm a big fan of the NFL Network, and I love Dion's show, uh, Game Day Prime. And he was saying how, you know, Marshall not being on there is a travesty as well. Because I would put him and LT kind of in the same sphere. How are those guys not on this list? I mean, that's, that's kind of appalling in my opinion. Well, you got you to gotta look at how this, this list is constructed, right? I look at, I look at this as a, a makeup for them not getting the credibility in the past. Of some of these guys that's on there, you can't not have Ladanian Thompson on there. You you just can't. And I'm not saying that because I played with him. Yeah. Also, you you cannot have Adrian Peterson. Yeah. On there, 
Marshall Falk? Absolutely, you have to have Marshall Falk on this list. But if you look at the list as there, it's in some cases it's a it's a makeup for some of these guys not getting the credit in the past that they deserved. Yeah. I, I always hate when they do those lists because you'll see some things and, and you'll try to say, how did this happen? But I want to go back to Philip Rivers for a second. All the signs that I'm reading are saying this is his final contract year. Do you think he's in a Chargers jersey next year? Yes. You do? Yeah. Because a lot of things I see say he won't be. Well, this this is the thing. I mean, you know, Philip Philip can you know he can continue to play another year or two if he wants to, right? Um, and we've seen Peyton Manning, we've seen uh, Joe Montana, we we we've seen some of the the best and the greatest quarterbacks ever go to other teams. You know, uh, Jerry. I, I I sometimes even think now I'm trying to think. You know, Jerry Rice played for the Raiders. I know he did Seahawks too at the end. And the Seahawks at the end. And this is the the greatest wide receiver of all time. So it's 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 a possibility. I'm not going to sit up here and say no. It's not possible. It's no way he's not playing for the Chargers. The problem is that wh- what do you do when you move on from Phillip Rivers? Yeah, you know. So it's it's not like they had when I came in in 2005. You had Drew Brees as a starting quarterback, and you had Phillip Rivers behind. You knew who was going to be there for the next decade and a half. Well, we joked about Eli earlier and Joe not being here, but. It is kind of a similar situation, right, where they've both been with the team a long time. They're, they were both having struggling years. This is Phillip's Ph- – Phillip, I felt the last time I watched him, was that, what, the against the Chiefs Thursday night fo- – or Monday night football? Yeah. Or was that – whenever it was in Mexico. Monday night, yeah. Yeah, Monday night. He was making some throws that I was like, I don't see Phillip Rivers making those questionable throws. Do you think that's a good comparison as far as one guy got benched and here we are with Phillip kind of in a similar situation. No, I think that Eli was done physically, and I think that, you know, as, as far as him being a marquee quarterback was done. Uh, not Eli. As far as Phillip, I just think he's doing some some things that's uncharacteristic. Yeah. Like he's not making – it's not like he's, you know, throwing flat up routes and he he's not putting on a dime and he can't make these throws anymore. No, no, he's he's letting the safety bait him and looking off and then getting jumped, yeah. jumping the route. That's not a Philip Rivers type of thing. That's you know that's uncharacteristic. It was not the throw. You you got a check down right. You got a check down right there uh, to uh, Austin Eckler. You can throw the ball and yeah. you know him throw five yards, let him you know scramble around and possibly get ten plus. But you try to beat a guy over top in double coverage. That's that's not a sign that you can't play anymore. That's a sign that's saying, "Hey, I just threw for multiple interceptions the game before. Let me fix this." You you think that's what it is? He's just pushing too hard. Absolutely, no, a hundred percent. One, no doubt about it. It's, it's not that he can't play anymore. First of all, people just people are not talking about the injuries they had on the offensive line this year. You had a pro, your Pro Bowl center go down to Pouncey. He goes down with a neck injury. He's done on IR. You got uh, Forrest Lamb that goes down. He's he's on IR. Uh, Russell, left tackle, he's down. You know most of the season, and then you got your starting running back who you know came in late that needs to get back on the same page with the rest of the team. 
you're not talking. People are not talking about the other things. Phillip isn't mobile in the from the beginning. He's not a mobile quarterback. Yeah, never really have been, but damn sure not now. In this what sixteenth sixteenth year? Sixteenth, yeah. He's not a, he wasn't a mobile quarterback before, but he's damn sure not now. So if he was a mobile, if he was Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not talking about his arm ability, I'm talking about his capabilities of moving around the pocket and moving and stepping up and going and running right and throwing, you know, out pattern or something like that. If he was that, he'll, they'll be just fine. But Phillips, not that. He's never he's never really been that. He he's not going to be that for the remainder of his career. So you think that they again with this being the last year of his contract, you think especially with the Chargers moving to a new stadium. They're going to have a higher pick. You think he's with the team. I mean, that's where you're saying that they'll give him maybe a one- or two-year deal? Yeah. I mean, if I was them, if I was Phillip, I would only want to accept a one-year yeah. deal until I know what the team is doing. Sure. Until I'm, until I know I'm in your long-term plans, yeah. right? And I know as a player the team has to do and the organization have to do what's best for them and what's best for this team for the next 10-plus 10, 10 years. I get that and I understand that. So as a player – I don't want to get myself locked into anything not knowing what the plans are going forward. And I don't I don't think him not having a contract has anything to do with his play right now. I think it's to do with we we got much more problems and let's figure out what we need to do to get back on on track yeah. before we take care of the contract situation. Maybe we go maybe Phillips agent and Phillip is it's they're waiting to see what happened in the draft. Do you take a, a you know if they have a, a top 15 pick? Do you get a quarterback top 15? In that case, maybe Alfred or, or Phillip takes a one-year deal, play that one year, get your quarterback ready, and maybe Phillip only wants to play another year. Yeah. Are you surprised that the Chargers haven't really made that move yet, like to draft a quarterback early? I feel like they haven't done that. I mean, every other team, even even the Patriots had done that at some point. Obviously, the Giants did. Yeah. I haven't seen that with the Chargers. The backup is Tyrod, right? Yeah, so, Tyrod. So even if they were to go to Tyrod, like that's still not like a long-term fix. It's a, no. it's a weird scenario. I think the Chargers are are in. They, I feel like you have to almost dra- draft a quarterback well, this year. Well, this is the thing: when you start drafting a quarterback high, you're telling your starting quarterback something. Yeah, I, and I've been there. <laughs> you know, I, I remember them drafting Larry English <laughs> when I was there, right the outside linebacker, and I, and I knew that was my, hey, we're getting we're getting someone else ready because we might be moving on from you. I was totally fine. I mean, I was okay with that. Because that's you know I was hurt I was hurt and I was banged up I wasn't 100. percent I get it you making you you're making moves what's going to benefit the organization for the next you know five plus years. So if you'd make that move on from Philip, you draft somebody in the top 10, top 15. You're saying hey, you're about to be on the way out the door, and Philip is like no, or, yeah I, I got a couple more years possibly left of playing right. So and then we have a new contract situation uh, negotiation we have to talk about. So all these things factor in. I don't think, you know, Phillips made plenty of money. Uh, he's done. He's a staple for the organization. A lot of kids, though. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. You got, you know, you got to stay four or five more years just to you know, feed I, them, <laughs> stay, get out of the house a little bit. I think he had like $200 million deals. I don't care how many kids Ten you have at kids. that point. Yeah. I, at this point, it's kind of like a battle. Him and Antonio Cromartie, like who's going to win the kid battle, right? Because it's those two. Different situation, but, <laughs> What's that? A uh, little different. But, um, you, you know, for it just – Philip, in my opinion, and I don't know, I, I, this is not coming from an organization. I don't talk to anybody on his side when, when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion and just watching what's going on, uh, they have a bunch of things to address. And um, 
you know, for them to go out and make a decision on Phillip Rivers right now, if if Phillip's in his tenth, eleventh year, you get that deal done. Yeah, because right? you you know who's going to be there for the next five years, or or so. When you're in your sixteenth year, you you're taking it game by game and let's assess the season and what we have around. You know, uh, is Pouncey coming back up? Your offensive line needs and. Melvin Gordon, what's going to happen with him? Do we got some cap space now if he's not going to be there, going to be there in the long term? It's all these other things that needs to be addressed before addressing Phillip Rivers. Where are the Chargers? Because it's a fascinating situation, obviously. They were the team that drafted you, and obviously they're going to be close to your heart. But, I mean, we can't deny it's a bad situation right now. As far as what? The, the fandom and just the backlash – and when you see those games, Sean, I mean, it's got to be tough for you as a former player. When you see the Sunday night game and it's all Steelers fans or the Packers games and it's all Packers fans or Chiefs or whoever, and, and they're struggling. I actually, Tug and I were actually talking. Because the, the seats are so cheap, we're probably going to get season tickets next year because they're, they're cheaper than, like, anybody. <laughs> I see. I, I see what, look. They they have a lot of seats to fill up. A right? lot of they seats. They have a lot of seats to fill up. But here's how you here's how you fix that problem. When they first moved up, when they were on four, right? I mean, it was bad. People think it was bad. It was bad. I don't. You know, they won't say that. Anybody else won't say that. But it was, it was pretty bad. And I'm not talking about other fans showing up. I'm just talking about just the stadium. It was bad, right? Yeah. And you got a new head coach, and you know he's just there, and you got just a bunch of stuff going on, and. People are pissed off in San Diego, and I mean it was going bad. When they went on that nine-game winning streak, towards the end of that nine-game winning streak, it was they were on fire in the stadium, and the morale, everything felt different. Same thing when you're going on with this year, right? You lose three games, I think three or four games within seven points. See, most people are only going to talk about the wins and losses, and that's fine. It's it's about wins and losses. But as a player, and if you know, if you're Anthony Lynn, after the season, you're looking at the game film, you're looking at the stats, you're looking at the numbers, and you're gonna see all this negative talk, and you're like, man, we we lost these games within seven points. We get this first down, yeah. We make this field goal, we we get this turnover, and our season, our whole season is different. We're not even talk we're we're look at look at the Cowboys, right? Look at we talking about Jason Garrett. Look at all all the, they're still winning the division because of they they're in that division. Yeah. If if Oakland wasn't playing as well as they're playing this year, and and the Chiefs wasn't playing as well, if we're saying and we're in that same type of situation when you know you still have a shot, the conversation is different. But the fact is, it's about wins and losses, and it doesn't matter about that first down. Didn't matter that, you know, a, a missed field goal here or there would have would have changed the course of the season. I guess for me, as somebody who's lived out in LA now twelve years, I've read a lot on not just the Chargers, but also the Rams. And we went to the Monday night game because we wanted to see Lamar Jackson live. And it's just it's a struggle, man, in Southern California. With them not having football for twenty five years, from everything I'm reading it's saying it's going to take almost like a whole generation because none of these guys who are in their 20s or 30s, right, grew up with a team. So I almost feel like it's a long-term plan, right, to get fans for both teams. 
I mean, you've lived out here now. Like, what do you think? This isn't going to change overnight. No, and when you make moves like this and you own a organization or the NFL, the NFL, everything they do is a long-term play. Everything. You know, when you – you're talking about the helmet stuff and, and the concussions and all this other stuff. And what you know, what did the NFL do? They went out and started really promoting flag football and, and doing things and start tackling right when you're a kid to let these other parents know that this, this sport is safe if, yeah. you, if you tackle right. And those kids who are hearing this message are going to be growing up and playing high school football one day and college football and have a possibility of playing in the NFL. But they're, the NFL is grabbing these kids right now. And saying it's okay to play football, it's safe if you tackle correctly. So that's a ten or fifteen you know year play alone. When you move your organization from one city to the next, you're not going to be the hottest hottest ticket in town, right? So that's to them, it's a it's a long term play. No matter what what situation you're in right now, you never you're, it's going to be hard to win over every. You're not going to win the San Diego fans back, right? They're pissed off. You're not going to do that. But what you can do over time is let these 9- and 10-, 11-year-olds who are trying to figure out who their favorite team is, who their favorite player is, to grow up and be a Chargers fan. So, you know, you take your, you take, you know what it is? You take your bumps and bruises now, right? You take your bumps and bruises right now, and you say, you know what, we'll take whatever the media and everybody else says about us and come talk to us in five or six years. Yeah. And let's see if this is – you don't build a, uh, what, three or four or five billion well, – I don't know how much they overspent in that stadium. They're saying it's now. up to six billion. You don't put a $6 billion anything there. Yeah. I don't care if they were going to play uh, Frisbee. is a, a grand you – don't, you don't put anything that's $6 billion any, anywhere if that's not a 15- or 20-year play. Yeah. No, I, I feel it. It's, just, it's interesting. Like I said, we're probably going to get – tickets and I just like watching football you know I'm from Cincinnati so same thing he's Tug's not from here Joe's not from here so you have all these transplants and everybody's kind of meshed together watching these games but we did just see Lamar Jackson play Monday and I'll tell you what man he is a different he he's so different live you see I mean he's amazing on TV yeah but I'm saying when you see that guy live how he moves is he your MVP right now Speaking of seeing them live, I went to the Chargers game last year when they played them here at the end of the year. Was that the the playoff? It was the playoffs, right? Playoff game when the Chargers Ravens played. Oh, that yeah, regular season. Re- was it in the regular season? They yeah. played twice. Yeah, yeah they played twice. Yeah, I seen him live, and I was like, oh my god, that and he. I'll tell you the play. He was scrambling and he ran out of bounds and he ended up jumping over the uh, the bleachers, <laughs> but he was still at full speed. And he was slowing down. Yeah, and, and I said. Oh my God! I, I don't think I've seen anything like that. And I played against Vic, you know, when he went to Philly. I didn't yeah, get, I didn't get a chance to play him in Atlanta, but I played him when he went to Philly, and Vic was still f- blazing fast. But I don't, I haven't seen anybody move like that with that like, you know, people say cat-like quickness, but it's more like a horse with, with cat because he, he's a he's still a bigger guy. People underestimate his size. He's kind of he's he's solid, and the way he moves around in a way he can change direction and stop on a dime and go at a high speed again is I don't we've never seen anything like that and yes 100% right now if he even if he has what is it, four four games left yeah if these next two or three out of the four games are 
just good, not great, he should still be leading anyway because no one can catch him on what he's done over the course of, of a 10, game, 10 games already. Now, a lot of people, including myself, are kind of putting the let's see how it plays out with the passing in the playoffs. Because your Chargers, when they played in Baltimore last year, in the playoffs, completely shut him out because they forced him to he, throw He was the ball. a different player, honestly. And so it, you think it's changed? It's, it's definitely changed. He's more of a weapon because of the offense that they put together for him. The Chargers didn't have to see that okay. last year. Uh, the Chargers last year forced him to be a pocket passer and not be able to lead a pocket and just get after him. He, I mean, Melvin, these guys were just flat out on him the entire game and forcing him to be a pocket, pocket passer. Right now, it's hard to make him that because their offense, nothing is, is really predicated on him being a pocket passer. They got this pistol. They got guys moving left and right. They're going east and west. Melvin, um, you know, Melvin Ingram, but the um, uh, running back. Mark Ingram. Mark, Mark Ingram is uh, he's the he's right now he's the scariest running back to play against in the NFL. And I'm not saying he's better than Zeke or anybody else, but the aggression that he's running with right now, the way he's playing, he's taking it to defenders. I mean, this guy, he, he's a defensive player. He's a linebacker running the damn football. He's running at you, and he's running angry. And what's happening is the offensive line and even the defense, the just the, just the momentum and everything that he's taking right now, is everybody's picking up on it. And he's getting up, and he's screaming, and he's you know promoting Lamar Jackson and you know, all this stuff. This, the energy right now built around the Ravens is scary. And I'm not saying that they're the best team in football. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that they're, they're the best team in football. But right now, the momentum, if you're playing them, should scare you. Who would you say is better right now? You're always going to say the Patriots, right? I mean, even though they killed the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, let me just give you a little lesson. <laughs> let, me give, let me give you a little lesson on, on, on Bill Belichick, right? Um, they they play in a weaker. The Patriots play in a weaker division. They're obviously the Bills are my former team. They're kicking ass this year, and they're also scary. And, they, and they're highly, highly underestimated, highly underestimated by all the media, by all the people. I mean, if they played anywhere else other than Buffalo, and they got more shine, people would know just how good this team really is. But you know, it's Buffalo and the media. Well, to hop in here real quick, I think a lot of us saw it yesterday. Well, we finally seen it. Yeah. I remember when I, when I played in Buffalo, we had like one big TV game. We had a Thursday night football game. And I was like, I don't give a damn how, how much I suck this year as far as like not performing or whatever. I'm showing my ass on this Thursday night football game because everybody's watching. I got a sack against Miami, um, the Dolphins. Who's playing quarterback? Uh, Tannehill, I believe it was. Tannehill was back there. And had Reggie Bush in the backfield, and uh, you know I, I I had a really really good game on it because I I knew you know when I was with the Chargers we had primetime games we had a Monday night a Sunday night a Thursday I mean we we always had yeah big games and out there they didn't get the coverage right now people because of that game yesterday especially against you know America's team people are finally realizing how good that team. Is they're really good. They're really good, and they don't give up points. And they don't give up points. That defense is outstanding. And Josh Allen, his people don't realize, and I was critical of him. He's played amazing the last five or six games. I said it last year when I went to the Chargers Bills game out out there in Buffalo. 
that he was a guy going forward. And I said that over and over again. And, and people will question them, is, is this the franchise quarterback going forward? Is, is this the guy that's going to lead them? And I said, yes, you watch. And I was watching him, how he sacrificed his body, how he uh, uh, demanded control over the, the, the offense and how he just took charge. I said, a, he's a natural leader, and he has the mechanics to be a really, really damn good quarterback. And he's, he's obviously doing that. But to kind of go back to the Patriots, in a division, you know, weaker division, you know you're going to play in the playoffs damn near every year. Right? You're going to have an opportunity because of your division. So if you know that the Ravens are good and you play them and you're Bill Belichick, why show your hand in the regular season? Yeah. And you know you're going to see them again. You think Bill Belichick is going to let them in a playoff game, in the AFC Championship game, outsmart them and let them run this offense that's going east and west and, and, and have them mixed up? Hell no. There's, there's zero possibility. There's zero possibility that Bill Belichick is going to let these guys pull that in the playoffs. Why show you? He'll never show his hand if you know you're going to see them again. He's too smart. I have a question for you, Sean. Um, just as a player, how much do you learn from not seeing someone? You, you see some film on them to playing them for the first time and then watching tape and playing them again. So how much are teams like the Patriots or the Chargers last year who got to see, who saw them once in the regular season, Lamar, played them in the playoffs, had a totally different approach? What are you learning? Well, it depends on who you're playing. Um, one of the things that make the Patriots great at what they do, and it, it makes me ill to say this. I'm, I'm a little – I want to vomit a little bit. Um, <laughs> but one thing that makes them great is their adjustments that they make. They can make it on the fly. They can make it every series. They can make it halftime and come out the second half and be a completely different team. Last year when the Patriots were playing the Chargers in the playoffs – how many times we see the Patriots just line up in I formation and run down the hill, run down hill with your running back? Yeah. They were gashing the Chargers. Charges. They recognized that it was an extra DB on the field, and the Chargers took a linebacker out, and they were playing some you know uh, sets, nickel sets, and you know dime sets and and whatever. So you said so they line the Patriots lined up and they ran the ball like just downhill, and and that's the most degrading thing you can have happen to you as a defensive player when someone's just lining up in power sets and they're gashing you right down the middle. There's nothing you can do about it. They made that in-game adjustment. So to your, Tug, to your question, when you see a team the first time, you got you, you have to know that if you're seeing a team like that, they're going to come out in something different, right? If you're seeing a team that you know that doesn't have the flexibility at making those adjustments – you know that even if you know some coaches try to outsmart you, right? They might be running the same play out of a different formation. But you know when that tight end is is five more yards in than he normally is, and they bring that slot wide receiver in motion and then back him up in three yards, and they're in power set. You know that dive is coming right at you, mm-hmm. or that or that or, or that uh, uh, offensive guard on the opposite side is sitting back, light on his hands, and they're in eye formation you know that they're going to take a shot down the field, right? They're coming and it's kind of some kind of uh, you know pass. So you're watching all these things, and you know that these offenses, offenses do it. But the Patriots might come out and, and run a formations, formation that you've never seen. Do you think their offense will improve? Because now we're at the point of the season where it's been stagnant for week after week, and their defense is just leading them. Do you think at some point, that lever is is gonna, or that switch is gonna happen where 
they actually can do something offensively? Or is this a team that is just going to be led by their defense all year? The Patriots? Yeah. Why? I mean, you have the ability to turn it on. Like I said before, why would you show you're going to you're going to the playoffs? You're you're a lock. Yeah, they already won ten games. You're a lock. I mean, yeah, you want all your guys playing, but would you really open up your playbook, right? Yeah. So so, so I guess this is this is really, and I, and I'm obviously I'm not like I always respect what they do and my appreciation for Belichick and Brady and that whole system. I've always had, but what you're saying is, is is pretty interesting, Sean. You're basically saying they look at such the big picture versus the other teams might not do it like them. They're seeing it's just the Super Bowl, right? Where other teams might be showing or playing their hand during the regular season, where Bill and you know his staff are going to say no. At the end of the day, it's like last year. They go eleven and five. They win the Super Bowl. This year, they're probably going to go fourteen and two or thirteen and three. Win a few more games. But it's all about the Super Bowl and to not disclose any of the things that they may be able to run in the playoffs. That's the only reason why you play the game. And and even before the Super Bowl, you get to the playoffs, right? Because you got to win those games in the playoffs, and then you're going to get a first round bye, as they've been for so many years, have the first round bye where you let these other teams expose what they do in the playoffs. So now you game plan the hell out of them. And you know, if they're running this coverage, okay, we're running that. Right? They all oh, they like to bring this man when they show a linebacker up in, in the gap. So you're sitting back, you already have it set for you because you you know what you got on the table, right? And there's no reason for them to expose anything more than they have than they have already. You you're already a lock. And that's kind of the you know, the fortunate situation is also the genius by Bill Belichick. Before we continue today's episode with Sean Merriman, I want to remind all the dirt balls to get yourself some tickets on SeatGeek, the official ticket app sponsor of the Dirty Sports Podcast. We have been with SeatGeek for almost four and a half to five years now. That's how long this relationship has been. And their app has grown, our show has grown. We've grown together. It's like one big happy marriage. If you have not used SeatGeek, I don't know what you're waiting for. I used SeatGeek to go to the Rams game last week against the Ravens. I'll be using it probably again against the Seahawks Monday Night Football next week. Guys, best of all, all the listeners, get $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase all you need to do is use our promo code. So download the Seeky Gap and use promo code DIRTY. That's D-I-R-T-Y for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. And if you send me a screenshot via Twitter or Instagram using SeatGeek, I will send you two koozies in the mail. It's that easy and it's that simple. So go use SeatGeek, promo code DIRTY. Okay. Let's get back to the interview with Sean Merriman. Yeah. I got a question here from Prano. Um, I'll try to decipher this, or maybe Andy, you can make, make sense of all of this. Speaking of the Pats, is Tom Brady, who had a dad bod at the combine, <laughs> a superhuman physical specimen. Is that why he can play past 40, unlike Phillip Rivers? Or I don't know who was washed in their late 30s. Or is it simply that he always looks good because he's always been protected? No, it's a it's a combination of that. You know, we just talked about Philip um not 
throwing the 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 for sure things that he has. One thing about Tom Brady, he's not going to he doesn't do a lot of uncharacteristic things. They got a system over there. Here, here, okay, here, check down. Here, that's not that's not, you know, I'm not gonna I'll take this sack or, or do whatever, but I'm not gonna force this ball in there. I'll throw it out of balance. It's a, it's a system over there uh that they have that's worked well for them for a very long time. And, you know, the whole goal anyway for them is to get the ball out of his hands no matter what. And if he has to take a sack, then he has to take a sack. Um, Phillip, we're talking about two different type of players as well too, right? I mean, uh, Phillip is a – he has a linebacker mentality throwing the football. Phillip wants to compete. Uh, Tom is – he's put into a system with Bill Belichick that they created that – this not open, this option, okay, here. This not here, this not here, okay, here. This not, that's not, that's never been a Phillip uh, type of transition. So the Patriots are just way more structured with how they're running Brady versus, let's say, a Phillip Rivers in, in uh, the yeah, Chargers. Yeah, I mean, and we talk about it all the time. Matt Castle, didn't he go to the, didn't he win a lot of games when, when uh, Tom Brady went down? Yeah, he won 11. He won 11 games. Uh, and I'm not comparing the two or anything sure. like that. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady and his his body of work and what he's accomplished. But I'm I'm eager to see what the next quarterback move is going to be and and uh, can he can they do the same thing if Bill if Bill Belichick is there? Yeah. Well, I want to talk about one of his old uh, backups, Jimmy G, because the Niners now as a defensive guy, you got to love how they play. They just get after it. Are are they your like who's your we talked AFC. Let's move into the NFC. Yeah. Who do you like the most? Is it, is it the Niners? Is it the Saints? Possibly, you know, you have some other teams like the Packers and the Seahawks, Vikings who are in the mix. Who do you think is the best team and that you like to come out from that league? You know, right, right now we just talked about having momentum and teams that are scary to play when they have momentum. Um, and like the Ravens are scary to play right now, the 49ers. They're terrifying to play right now because of that defense and the way they're running the ball. And it's people talking about and people are talking so much trash about Jimmy G. And he's doing exactly what that offense needs him to do. They they're not asking him to go out and throw for 350 yards. They're asking him to protect the ball, make some smart decisions, run the football well, and play great defense and special teams. That's how you win a Super Bowl. He's not he's not in a system where he has to go out and throw for 350 yards. You got one of the best defenses in football. Are they what top three or top five or something like yeah. that? They're up there. You have a great running attack. And you, you know, you play well in all three phases of the game. You don't turn the ball over, and you can win a lot of games and possibly a Super Bowl. So, and they're a team that plays off momentum. You know, these these guys are playing with confidence right now. Nick Bosa is playing ridiculous that's that's ridiculous for you know for someone to come into the league in the NFL like that and and play on that level and I'm and I'm speaking I came in and I had uh what 10 and a half 11 sacks something like that my rookie year but the impact he's making do you see similarities with you two yeah we're different style players we're different style players but the impact that he's making right now you know I and I didn't start to I think game to somewhere in the middle of the season I didn't start um had been had a Ben Leeper who was in who was in front of me, and I I couldn't pick up the playbook for shit, uh, you know, coming in, and um, so it, it, that is that, that is that a tough adjustment? Like when you go from the college level to the pro 
What's the difference when we're talking playbook? Well, I came I came in late, right? I came you in the holdout. Yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a holdout, um, and then we had I had someone in front of me, and Ben Lieber, who was a, a very very good technical player. Like he, if he was supposed to be in a gap, he was going to be there. He he knew he was very smart, and I got a chance to. That's that's where I really sat back and I learned a lot of stuff, and I watched him not make any mistakes ever. But also, when not making any mistakes, you don't sometimes make the big play. And um and and that's what the Chargers wanted me to come in and do. They want me to come in and come like a bat off bat out of hell off the edge. You, you know what it is? This is the analogy I'll use. This is like he's the dude who goes for the girl next door. It's an easy, clean play, right? You're going to marry. You're going to have the kids. You come in, Mr. Lights Out, and you're like, I might go for the lunatic girl, but she's going to be fun, right? (laughs) And hot. Yeah, exactly. Because I I feel you on that. When I watch Bosa, man, and that vine, like, I, I get excited. And obviously, we live in an offensive, you know, everybody cares about offense, Sean, but when I watch those Niners, man, like, I genuinely want to see the quarterback just get destroyed or a big hit that causes a fumble. Like, th- that, to me, they really, they're just an exciting team to watch. You know, what makes them, what makes them exciting is their energy, right? Like, we, we love, we love terrifying, like, things. Like, the, if you look at all the defenses in the history of the game the last 30 years, I mean, you start naming the players like, hey, I ain't, I ain't running over there. That dude, he might do something to me, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going here because he, you know. I, so we love, you know, the Mean Joe Greens, what they had over there, the steel. The steel we love sure. terrifying things as a defense. And that's, you know, they have that thing that's going on with them right now. And they got, you know, Rich, Richard Sherman. This, and this is the thing about Richard Sherman. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's, he's still a, a, a great cornerback. He's not what he was in Seattle, right? He's not you tear, tear your Achilles and and I've and I've been there, but I I don't think he's the same as he was in in and uh, when he was with Seattle. But you know what he brings there? That confidence, man. He knows how to win. And yeah. when you when you're giving guys, I mean, I seen him, you know, standing up and 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 um and talking on, about Jimmy G and protecting him and, and just letting everybody know how good Jimmy G. You need those guys in the locker room. You need those guys in the locker room because that energy that he has is contagious. It's like we got swag out here, and we and we can talk a little, you know, we we can back it up. Yeah. And when you have guys to, and that's what, even when some guys can't play anymore, they're not they're not the same player they was. Um, and, and you know, Rich Sherman, he can go, he can still play, but like I said, I don't think he he was a player he was. He walks in that locker room, he gets instant credibility. Guys look at him like, oh, that's Richard Sherman. You know, like whatever he says, like I'm going to be listening to him. But he brings this swagger and this, and this confidence in the locker room. Like, okay, yeah, we got Richard Sherman. We feel, you know, we're listening to him. He's breaking us down in the huddle. He's screaming and yelling. He's talking He's talking crap to that, to that wide receiver out there. We're going, to off, we're going to feed off of him. That's what this team is right now. They're the, they're the, the scariest team to face because of that momentum. What about the Saints? Now, the Saints won last night. I think the Saints have one more loss, but they play, I believe, next week. I'm not sure if this is correct, but I think they play in New Orleans. Do you give any advantage in, come playoffs because you have a veteran quarterback? Because a lot of times in the playoffs, right, it comes down to the clutch performances of the quarterback. Would you give the edge in the playoffs, especially if they're playing in the Dome, 
anytime you got Drew Brees on your team, you got a chance, no matter what the situation is. Um, you know, coming in and I, I got spoiled. I was spoiled as hell when you coming in and you're a young, young player in the NFL and you walk in the locker room and you got Drew Brees and you got Phillip Rivers. And when you're in the NFL, things move so fast. You're coming in, the playbook, playbook is thrown at you, and they're telling you they gotta get on, you got to get on the field and produce right now. You're a first-round guy, and you're on the field. So you're not really, you're not really taking in that you just walk past the lockers of, of Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, right? Yeah. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Sure. And you're not taking in the fact of, of – what they mean in that locker room this year. When you get older, you start to realize, and obviously you go to the Bills, and nothing against Fitzpatrick. I think Fitzy is a, is, is a good quarterback, and he's going to be a solid quarterback for, for years to come, and he has been, but he's no Drew Brees and, and Phillip Rivers. Um, so you start to see the difference in, uh, in, in, in being around other players. It's like, holy, you know, this is a different, yeah. different, uh, different ballgame. It was it was interesting watching the game last night, and, and I believe yeah, because it was it was Dungey and Rodney Harrison were calling the game, and you know Rodney said he knew Breeze was good, but he didn't foresee this. What about you, as a guy who came in? If, if I were if you would have asked yourself when you came into the league, Drew Breeze is going to be an all time record holder. Would you have thought that's true? Yes. You thought he was that good? Yeah. But I didn't after the injury. Okay. I, when he had the injury, I you know, and I worked out with him that off season. We were working out in San Diego with uh, with Todd Durkin, so I I seen this process. You know, when he first injured it to the point where he was rehabbing to get back on the field again, um, and even watch him in the rehab, I was like, no way in hell. There's no way, you know, he's gonna get back to even what he was. Not even what he is now. I'm just talking about what he was before. Uh, there's no way. And to see what he's doing now, I think that some kind of book or movie needs to be done done on on Drew Brees. And I'm not joking about that. I was, you know, I was on the sidelines when when it happened. You know, I wasn't too far from him, and I heard the the screams, like the pain. And he was walking over, and his shoulder was still up, kind of locked out the socket because he dislocated it. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Not just out of a quarterback. I'm talking about period ever. It was like. It was equivalent of Joe Theismann back in the day, right when he broke his leg. Broke his leg. I, it it had that kind of feel to it, um, of right when it happened, and I just never thought that he would get back to where he was. Now he went into a very fortunate situation too with with Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds in the in the history of the game. Yeah, uh, and the capabilities of Drew Brees. Right, because when when Drew Brees play, played for Marty Schottenheim, it was all it was Marty Ball, right? You got the best one of the best running backs in the backfield, you got an offense line, you got a hard nosed defense. Let's run the ball, pound, beat people up. So throwing for three fifty wasn't the the bread and butter for sure. us. Sure. You go to Sean Payton now, and with that mindset that he has and his capabilities, along with uh the leadership and the focusness and what Drew Brees can bring, that's that's what we're that's what we've been seeing over the last ten plus years. That we've been seeing a combination of both. People talk all the time about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Sean Payton and and uh, Drew Brees is right up there. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I think you're right. That combo is very underappreciated. And my one knock though, 
is it's crazy. They just they can't win outside that damn dome. They showed they showed the stat last night, which I saw in the playoffs under Peyton. They're six and one at the dome. Obviously, the one loss came in that controversial pass interference bullshit call against the Rams. But they're one and five, which is basically saying to me they have to be in that dome to make it to the Super Bowl. They just can't win games outside the dome in the playoffs. You're right. You have to be road warriors. Um, but in order to get to that road, you got to come to our house. I, I would take I would take that scenario, um, knowing that we have that type of winning that type of winning percentage playing there than than not. You you want to be a road warrior, but in order to get to that point in the first place, you got to come to our house. Yeah. And if your only hiccup and the only speed bump that you got to deal with is we just got to win one on the road. I'd much rather take that scenario any given day as a player because you know it's hard as hell to get there. Yeah. Where would be a more difficult place to play? Like when you were playing, would you rather go to Foxborough or the Dome down in New Orleans? I'd rather go to the Dome. You know, because <laughs> Foxborough, those conditions out there. Now, when, in 07, we played them in the AFC Championship game. I mean, it was 12 degrees out there. Sucks. Suck that suck will be an upgrade. <laughs> you know, suck. You wish it sucked. That was some bullshit. You know, that was that was. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't in the windshield factor was like below zero. You know, I, I, I'll never forget that it was so cold out there um, on the sidelines. You got those big heaters, uh, and we're all fighting this and and trying to stand in front of the heaters. And uh, Nate Kading, <laughs> our kicker. kicker. Was uh, you know he's on the sideline most of the time waiting to waiting to kick the balls. He was over there like hogging the, you know hogging the heat vent. <laughs> the littlest guy too. Yeah, and I I pushed his ass out the way, but towards <laughs> the heat vent, and his gloves kind of melted on his hands a little bit. I, it, it was it was a fight over yeah. the heater because it was so damn cold out there, and um, those conditions to play in is tough, and it's right it's right up their alley. You saw the other day when uh, they were, I think they were talking about preparation. Um, I forgot who was speaking on it. One of the former players for the Patriots, and um, when they went to go play with, I think they, when they played the Cowboys, whoever they played, right where the they, conditions were they, bad. Yeah, they just played the Cowboys. The Cowboys' conditions were bad, and Bill Belichick is they're wetting the balls and putting them in the ice buckets and making Tom Brady throw it. These these guys they they leave live and breed having to come and play in those con- conditions. It is tough. It is hard to win there. So if all we got to deal with by going to the Dome is some crowd noise and some good luck because your your record states that you won a lot of games. I'll, I'll deal with that any day because you can silence the crowd by making big plays. Those, those conditions in Foxborough, when it gets that late in the season, you can forget about it. Um, well, you brought, you brought up something that's been near and dear to my heart. Recently, that's kicker play. You brought up a kicker. <laughs> so I'm just curious, as a teammate of kickers, what's the general philosophy? We're seeing a lot of kickers struggle right now. We saw it yesterday. Um, how do teams embrace kickers? I mean, how, do people, how did you see a kickers? And how, how do they – how kickers um, – or teams' opinions of kickers change from when they make kicks and when they don't, wins and losses, et cetera? Yeah, well <laughs> – you know, it gets to the point, um, kickers are already a little bit, you're already outcasted, right? Yeah. Um, and not because of your position. It's more that it's re- less requirement of work that you got to put in everybody else. I mean, 
some some days the kickers don't even wear cleats out to practice because they don't have anything to do. <laughs> right? These guys are in sneakers on the sideline and they leave. Some, at least with us, sometimes they used to leave halfway. If we didn't have another special teams period, they would leave and go play golf. Uh, you know, Nick Hayden and Mike Cyphers, these guys would be, hey, hey, we out. Unreal. And I'm like, hold on, we got like an hour left in practice. What the hell? Where the hell y'all going? They're going to tee it up. And so you're already like a little jealous anyway because they, they can go and, and have this kind of lifestyle. So, you know, they go out and miss a kick or a couple of bad punts. You're like, hell, man, hell with you guys. You guys, you guys leave two days a week early, an hour before we do. And some of the days you don't even come out in cleats. So you, but, you know, they got a tough job. They, they really, I, like, I wouldn't want that job. Like, I, if, like, you're in another position, right? If I go and I miss a big tackle in the game, the next play, I can go make that up, right? I can go and I get a big sack. Nobody cares about that tackle I missed. Nobody cares about the play that I, that I had a busted coverage on. If you go get two interceptions that game, you, 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 that's it. But if you go miss a field goal and you lose by three, that's, you know, people never, never forget that. I remember Nate Kading had left and went to, uh, I think went to Mexico or something like that for two weeks. We missed one of the kicks. He, like, got the hell out of Dodge. And you know what? I don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Where are you going to go? I mean, but you nobody, are, nobody, no, like, nobody knows you until you screw up. But you are right. Like, I can name teams I don't even follow. Like, I can tell you Blair Walsh missed the – crazy kick against the Seahawks in the playoffs at University of Minnesota Stadium a few years ago. Like, I can just name that because you're right. You think of kickers and only when they miss the kicks. But if you watch the games now, and especially yesterday on Thanksgiving, Sean, these guys are missing what I would call chip shots. Like, I feel it's getting even worse. And that's the thing that we always talk about on this show and we have lately with Tug in the entire world, right, you have, what, 10 good kickers? I mean, soccer, as Tug always says, right, Tug? It's the biggest sport in the world. Guys are just missing extra points, 28-yard field goals. It's bad now, and it affects games, and it affects seasons. Like you're saying, a missed point here, a missed field goal there, the whole season changes. Well, kickers have more added pressure than they have ever in the past right because social media is big yeah right i mean you got news coverage everywhere you miss a kick back in the day you know 20 30 years ago and it's like okay man we, we could have won at that who was that kicker's name Woohoo! now you're a meme <laughs> right <laughs> You're a meme, right? Yeah. You're um, instantly. People are having graphics, right? They're sharing like graphics of you missing this kick, and they're sharing it, and then using it in other things that have nothing to do with football. Yeah, you know, like putting. I think I seen the other day somebody was uh, was showing a kicker missing uh, a kick. A kicker was missing a kick. And then some, and they somebody used that same meme as missing your shot by ha- trying to hit a chick up and, and DM like, <laughs> "This is how you miss uh, yeah. your your shot in the DM." Yeah. So you live on forever, <laughs> right? You live on forever, and that's the that's the difference now as it wasn't fifteen twenty years ago, right? When you you miss a kick, I mean it's not like Finkel and Ihorn. It wasn't, yeah, it's not Finkel and Ihorn yeah. anymore, like. <laughs> 
this is not that situation. You you live on forever because the internet yeah. is forever. Yeah. And once that gift that gift gets put out put out, you're there. You make a great point. I never thought of it that way. At this point now with the kicking position, there's really no reward. Even when you even when you make a clutch kick, there might be a few tweets for a second. But you're right. It's a job where there's there's no love. There's only shame when you fuck up. I played with a long snapper in San Diego by the name of David Ben. David Ben played for almost two decades. As a long snapper. As a long snapper. That's a good gig. I mean, it's a great gig. Um, and Dave Ben was great. A great long snapper. The only time you ever heard Dave Ben, which you did, people looking at me right now, Dave Ben, who? <laughs> you don't know who he is. He just, he just was a, he was a great long snapper. And the only time you've ever heard of him is when he had a bad snap. So, therefore, you never heard of him. But he was a great snapper. He's a great yeah. long snapper. And, you know, it's the same thing with kickers, right? So, you say you don't remember the kickers and, and or you do now because of the big ones that they miss. You can watch some games now and there's some kickers that still playing like 15-plus years. And you're like, who? That dude been in the league 17? Who's he? What's his name? You don't even know who the hell his name is because he's been – so consistent, yeah, for so long that you don't even know. I, I was watching uh, somebody. I think it was wasn't this this season, but last season they just retired not too long ago. And I'm like, damn, he played for 17 years, and I played against him at least six times. I played against him at least six times, but you don't know who who he is because he's been so consistent at that position. There's no patch on the back. There's only kicks in the ass, and that's that's really what the what the position came down to. Yeah. I don't know if there's an automatic kicker in the league right now outside of Lutz versus uh, the Saints who, who buried a bunch last night. Ravens, maybe. But Tucker, but he's, he, no. I think he struggled a couple a little bit. But also the, the Patriots have had three kickers this year. Yeah. So there's no Lock City right now. Maybe maybe someone out there will think of something good. But I, I, I really I really do think it comes down to the pressure that's on kickers now. And back in the, the game is getting bigger and social media and everything around it is getting bigger. The, the gambling, the <laughs> – I mean, this is – you miss somebody's spread now, and somebody lose some, you know, lose their house, yeah. or they losing cars, <laughs> or they can't pay rent this month yeah. because they betting on you, and and you go out. I mean, and I'm not saying you you as a kicker, you're thinking that you're not thinking that at all. Sure, but the backlash, you know, I see some of these people going crazy on social media, right? And I'm thinking like, damn, that dude must lost his car or something. Like he, there's no way that you're that into or that pissed off because you know the guy didn't catch that touch, touchdown yeah. pass. Yeah, I said that, that dude must he he had to lose his car. Or yeah, he can't pay rent this month because he bet on the game. Yeah, when you're losing your mind over Harrison Butker missing a kick, no, you're right though. I never thought of it from the social media perspective, but it's also a gig, like you said, if you can hit and you are consistent, it's not a bad thing, man, to be a kicker, right? Because you're just gonna sit through years of making money, and you're not gonna be getting injured. Because we said before the show, you you were saying like for your son. The ultimate gig is a backup quarterback. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you can just take those checks, make millions, and you just hold a clipboard, right? Yeah. And I played with guys before um, who have been in that situation. And, yeah, obviously I you know, want my court, my son to be a star and all this other stuff. But, you know, I played with some guys that were damn hot, damn good paid <laughs> backup quarterback. Billy Volick. Yeah. You know, he, Billy, Billy, you know, it's funny, Billy Volick didn't play the whole entire season. And 
He came in and won a uh, big game against Indianapolis Colts for us when Phillip went down. And he went back to the bench, and I don't think he played much after that. And I, and I know for sure he made over $5 million that, that year. And I, I can't even count on two hands that f- the snaps that he took. What are those guys doing in practice? When you're the backup, obviously you're not getting that many snaps. Are you just sitting on the sideline even in practice? Well, no, they're playing against the starting defense. because they, they, they're, they're running scout. They're running scout or – if they're trying to get some reps or something like that, they're running against the second team. You're still you're practicing. It's not these guys aren't sitting around just. They're you know, not kickers. They're, they're not, not going to play yeah, 18 yeah, holes. They're not, they're not going to catch a, a quick nine. See if they can get nine <laughs> holes in. No, they, they're they're at least actually practicing and and putting in work because they they are critical to the the process, right? The play calling or or getting the plays in and out, getting information out because they're they're also out there reading defenses and they're going back to the coach or the offensive yeah. coordinator saying, hey, you know these when in cover two when these guys roll coverage and they do this, we, we, you know this is what they're doing. So they yeah. are critical in the process, but as far as taking hits on your body, it's it's very few. I I, I, I want to change. I actually have a question, uh, and Joe chimed in and said. Um, uh, it was. It warms his heart to to hear you say that uh, Fitzy is a good quarterback, big Fitzy guy. So he, he is. He. Is. I mean, look, and he's fun as hell to play with. Is he? Like he like Fitzpatrick fun. has a he has a great personality. Somebody you just love to be around. Yeah. Right? Like I had a great relationship when I played with him in Buffalo. He's all. You don't notice about Merriman. You you play with guys who just love pumping out kids. So Philip <laughs> has ten kids. Fitzy's got eight. These are just dudes. Is, is Philip Catholic? Yeah, I think I, so. I assume yeah. Fitzy is too, because Fitzpatrick yeah. Irish name. You just love playing with guys who just they just love pumping out kids, man. You know what, man? Um, because it's it's funny. You get a kid like person in them, uh, in a way. And you know, Fitzpatrick, he's a little cuckoo, right? I mean, yeah. he had a kid, you know, kind of a big kid personality too, but. You know, smart as hell, and that's the reason why he's still playing in the NFL right now. He's not the—I'll be the first one to say—he's not the most talented quarterback out there. He can come in and 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 he's a great spark plug. Is he yeah. gonna win a Super Bowl for you? Probably not, but he'll be a, a backup in the NFL, and he has been for a very long time because you can at least rely on him if your starting guy goes down. He's gonna make some great decisions. Um, he's gonna play hard. He had, I think, a couple games ago when he's. I don't know if you saw the play, but he's running for the first down, and he like turned it on. And he lowered his shoulder. Against I'm like, the Colts. Against the Colts. And I'm yeah. like, damn, I see you, Fitzy. Like, <laughs> I see you, man. That yeah. was, you know. Um, so he'll he'll go out there and play his heart out, lay it on the line, and um, yeah, he was he was great to play with. Along those lines, I was thinking about like guys like Drew Brees, who who went from San Diego to New Orleans. Fitzpatrick has been in a bunch of different teams. You played with the Chargers and the Bills. What was that like from a like a cultural standpoint of the two organizations? And to bring it into your new line of work as a business, what are you learning from those th- these organizations that you've like taken into your own you know business and say that, that's cool. I, I'm going to use that. That's cool. I'm going to use that. Uh, well, I'll say the biggest thing. Um, I was fortunate to play in the NFL um, because it's a tough it's a tough business and. Um, I'll take it back to the days when I got released, right, and I got waived, and and I was went from the Chargers to Buffalo. Um, nobody wanted, they didn't want to cut me, they didn't want to release me, but it was business. I was I was hurt and I was banged up and I wasn't performing, and it's a a, a performance based business, all the way from you know the GM all the way down. It's a performance based business, and if you're not performing, they have to move you. 
Um, so once you understand that, it, it gives you a, a greater, um, you know, kind of outlook on business alone in general and how how important it is to produce and be productive every single day. And I've taken I've taken that into account for a very long time and holding people accountable like you have to produce. If you don't produce, you're you're gone and not because I don't like you. It's just you have to produce. And that gave me a, a very, very, very good. I mean, that that's it, it really did. It changed the way I looked at uh, business because it's not about likes and not likes or um, getting your feelings or emotional emotions involved. You know, it was it was a, a when they when I left the Chargers. I mean, it was a sad day. It was a sad building the coaches on down. And play, I mean, it was it was bad. And um, but that's the nature of the beast. That's the business. And if you had that that outlook and 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 you had that perspective, you're taking that and you're putting that in the business world. And what I'm you know what I'm doing now, it is extremely useful. Yeah. That makes sense. Is that a is that a lights out shirt that you're wearing? Yeah, this one is a, a lights out shirt. You can um actually I'm launching shoplightsout.com. It's a workout website. And I'll have these on there, but I also have you know workout equipment from Everlast, RDX, um got Grant. I mean you name it. Yeah. You know, I have That's a great a Nazo. By the way, I love that hoodie. Night night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we were going night night on here. Well, I was gonna go night night on Joe if he didn't show up. Uh you know who else up. you know who else loves night night? Who's that? Bill Cosby. <laughs> you got I mean, I'm gonna let you have that one. Uh yeah, man. But uh shoplightsout.com is is gonna be a workout website. I got resistant bands and we have some of the greatest companies in the world that are on this site. It's a resale website. Uh and it's you know, forty percent off anywhere you'll find on it on the internet. So, so like, if I go on there, what what type of stuff can I get? Uh, anything from weight racks um, for squats, bench racks, real man's workout, real man's workout. You got uh, you know, resistant bands, ropes, boxing gloves, headgear, punching, you name it. It's on yeah. there. We have almost uh, almost two thousand products oh, that's shit. on it right now, but. Uh, you know, in the next few months, we'll have, you know, probably 10,000 products. And, um, you know, for one, you know, I have a deal where we got the best prices practically outside of Amazon, really. It's, it's really us and Amazon is who has these prices for these for these uh, for this equipment. How much time do you work out a day now, now that you're retired? About an hour and a half. About an hour and a half. About e- an hour and a half. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, six, six days a week. What's that? Do you get up early? Yeah, six thirty every morning. Of course. Yeah. Did you even on Thanksgiving? Yeah. You don't mess around. No, you know, for me, um, it's 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 regiment. Yeah. Right. It's it's, you know, you might have a couple of days you sleep in till eight, because you don't have to be anywhere until till ten or eleven. Um, but I like to get my day going before my day gets going with me, right? Because you have all. If you don't get up early enough, everything's flying at you, and you got emails and calls and all the stuff that I'm involved in. I want to be ready, damn it. I want to, when I'm ready to go, like I want to be firing off. If I get a call at 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning, I want to be up for two hours already. What was your playing weight when you were in the NFL? Uh, about 265. What, what are you now? I'm just curious. How about that... two, 255 or so. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when you were playing, what are those? I'm always curious about the off season. Yeah. When you're in the off season, are guys just working out nonstop? Or some guy saying, man, I just had a off season of getting my ass kicked. You know, you're playing such a tough sport. I'm going to take a month off. 
or do guys just not do that anymore? Yeah, guys not. I mean, they're off-season programs, OTAs, mini camps. You know, um, some most got in their contract, that, at least I did anyway, that you had to make 80 or 90% of your off-season workouts in order for you to get a bonus, you know, incentive to, to show up and, and work out with the team. Yeah. Um, it's too much money involved now for you not to work out year-round. You know, like 40 years ago, 30 years ago, they would, you know, 40 years ago, show up to training camp with beer and cigarettes, right? Yeah. And they'll use training camp to, to get in shape. Yeah. You know, some not all players, and they were also players. Tr- they were also truck drivers in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. You know, guys, salary, they were making 60000 for the year. Yeah. Um, But now it's such a big business that you can't afford to not take care of your body year-round. And that's the only thing I'm accustomed to, and that's that's why I'm still able to go. You know, I train. I, you know, I go down there and train with a lot of the fighters. You know, three four days a week with some of my fighters of our, for my league. Yeah, for like for lights out. Do you have any uh, big fights coming up? Yeah, we're, we're looking at. Um, we're really looking at going down to San Diego, man. Oh, I, nice. I, I want to get back down there at some point in time, and you know, that's what we'll be looking to make a really really big announcement probably in the couple next couple months. Cool, cool. Andy, two questions off the uh, off the YouTube real quick. Um, Stengel wants to know um, if you want to weigh, have him weigh in on the the Jameis one of one. Oh, I don't, I don't even know if Sean saw that, but but I had, can have him weigh in on Jameis Winston. Of course. So so we we've had this long thing, Joe and I, about you know Jameis Winston just the turnover machine. You can throw for all the yards you want. They don't win games, and I know their defense is terrible. But it's his fifth year in the league. Where do you weigh in on Jameis? Because all his defenders, Sean, will say, oh, he's up there the same first five years of a Brett Favre, of a Peyton Manning, as far as both touchdowns and interceptions. We're not sold on him at all. And my thing is he does too many bad turnovers. You can throw for 300 yards all you want. If you're not winning games, to me it doesn't matter. Where do you sit on someone like Jameis? Yeah, um, yeah I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy when it comes to that. Um, and, you know, it's funny, and, and, and I learned a lot of this from Norv. Right, because when North came in, it was he was very, very specific on the turnover ratio and what it, you know, uh, transit what it means uh, in points. Yeah, and the out uh, the percentages of affecting outcomes of the game. North Turner was like really, really big in that. And you know, you throw the ball two over two times. Not only are you putting your defense, which is, they're not playing well anyway, in a bad position, but now you give them an opportunity to score fourteen points. Yeah, right. If you're given an opportunity to score 14 points, your percentage your percentage rate is this of winning. It's no, there's no in between. It's it's this where it is if we turn the ball over two times. And if you're doing that, what does that mean in in wins and losses? That means that that's an extra six losses if you turn the ball over two plus times a game, which he's done plenty of times. Yeah, you're turning the ball over that many times. You're giving them 14 points, uh, a possibility to win. That can possibly lose us four to six games alone, just that alone. So when you look at that, they'll never have an opportunity to be on top, not only just because they play that division, you know, then the Saints are always there. Sure. But you put yourself in a bad position to uh, to ever get out of that hole. Like that's that's your philosophy, like, oh, we're just going to make him exciting. He's Oh, it's great, great to watch. It's fun. It's feast or famine. Yeah. But we're not going to win any games. We're not going anywhere because he keeps turning the ball over. And that's why the 49ers are great. I mean, look at it, you know, 
Jimmy Jimmy G, I think, only had a couple of 300-yard games this year. Yeah, they've built a full team. Yeah, they got a full team. Yeah. Would you be out on J? Because this is Jameis's fifth year. Because I, I, this is what I always say about QBs. You know, I give him almost five years. You know within five years, I say, where a guy's going to be in, in his career. If you're Tampa Bay, do you stick with Jameis Winston? No. You move no. on. You have to you have to move on and for a couple of reasons. Not just because it's his fifth year, but um how how much we talk about the defense being bad, but it is extremely tough when you're consistently get put get being put in bad situations. You know, when when the when you gotta def- start a, your drive off within a thirty. <laughs> you're sitting around as a defense like how, how how many times do you have to get like riled back up and get your energy going? Like, yo, hey, let's go out here and come on, guys. Like, yeah. let's get it done. That works a couple times, but that happens three, four times in a game, and then that happens three and four times in a row. You start looking like, man, God, man, this dude again. Yeah, Jameis did it again. Hey, again, like we got to start from the, you know, and so that's when you start having the the friction in the teams and. We looking bad because you, we're starting off from their thirty, from our thirty or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's you, you gotta you you have to start making um you have to start making the move for the long term. And I'm not saying Jameis Winston can't play. I'm not saying he's not a couldn't be a good quarterback down the road. But you've seen enough of him to make that decision right now. Yeah. Was there one other question? Well, I just want to I want to do some breaking news. While we're while we've been on the air, uh, Cardinals defensive back Josh Shaw has been suspended through the 2020 season for betting on NFL games. Ooh! Now he's been on the IR, and there's no like currently no um, links to him betting on teams or, or talking to his betting betting on his own team or talking to teammates, etc. But first, we've heard of this. Um, so through, as, as gambling becomes more legalized throughout the U.S., interesting. Through next year, when yeah, through the through the twenty twenty season. Now, when you played, and obviously, it's a, like you alluded to it yourself earlier, it's a lot different now with point spreads, and we're moving as a nation towards legalized gambling. Were you ever aware of that? Like when you had a game, let's say you headed to Philly to play the Eagles, did you know? Okay, we're four-point dogs or three-point dogs. You, you know, it's funny. I didn't understand what any of that was until I retired. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even know. Like, somebody would come up, come, and, and, and even someone who I knew, not necessarily a friend, but like an acquaintance, right? Who you got in Philly? They're like, you know, seven, plus seven. Does that mean they're going to win or lose? Like, I, I didn't <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, I, I didn't engage in those conversations, really. So, for me, it was – um. You know, it was it was I was I wasn't around it. Yeah. You, you hear people talking, and you know that people are gambling on the games, but you're never you're never around those you're never around those people enough to because out of respect, right? If you sure. if you're friends with somebody or you're close to somebody or whatever, they're not asking you spread and betting and all that stuff. Yeah, they're not because they know that ultimately that can probably get you in trouble. Do you think? I guess you know this will be addressed in the new. NFL players, you know, agreement. Real quick before we go, they're talking about adding another game and that the NFLPA is moving closer to agreeing 
17 games. What do you think about that? I think it's great if they if they kill one of the preseason games at least at least one. That's what I'm reading. Yeah. So you like so, it? So it'd be two great. preseason games, 17 regular season games. Yeah. So if they first of all, if the players are compensated, right? If they're compensated for the extra game, and it's not like prorated over a certain period of time, if they're paid for that extra game, if I'm a player, I'm jumping for joy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm happy as hell because it gives you another game of income. Uh, because as a player in the pre, you play in the preseason game, you don't make much, a couple grand in the preseason. Whether you play one play or you play 25 plays, it doesn't matter. You only make a couple grand. Interesting. You know, nothing, nothing changes with concession. Nothing changes with TV. Nothing changes anywhere else. The only thing that changes is what you're paid as a player. So that's a big plus for the players it's it's a great i mean the nfl you know, it's great for them yeah obviously but for the players they got to be happy about this it's a good point because it feels like you know you know you are a, a, a you know a superstar in the league the guys who are just trying to survive they just want to they want that guaranteed money they get because there's no guarantee next year they might not play another you know another another season so they might as well get as many games as possible in that one year makes sense to me yeah no it makes sense and then one other thing i know they're talking about you know, changing the rules on marijuana, and obviously it's legalized everywhere now. And we hear a lot of former players talking about it. When, like when you were playing, what per- for? Well, first of all, how often are you drug tested for a substance like that? Like marijuana? Yeah. Um, once or twice a year. I can't. I don't. Remember. Once or twice a year. Once or twice a year. How many guys? Because like I'm a huge advocate of marijuana, and and I, I'm like big anti pills and stuff. What percentage of guys when you're playing are consuming it or smoking, whatever it is, any sort of cannabis to deal with the pain and deal with all the – like because you hear all the stories now about guys who were using it all the time. Were a lot of guys using it, I assume, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know I don't know if you want to put a percentage on that. I can't say half. Sure. But, you know, you got to assume that it's, it was a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, and I, I, honestly, I didn't think that – NFL cared about it too much either, or else you'll have it random all all the time. Um, and I'm glad the health benefits are coming out now. Yeah, I'm glad that they uh, look at this as something that can help guys because I, I've seen some guys fall into the whole pill thing um, and pain meds and and uh, having surgeries and never being able to get off of it and really damaging their careers and damaging their lives because they couldn't get off of it. Um, so that that part it was unfortunate. So if there's a, a lesser way, a better way for guys to whether it's CBD, whether it's cannabis, or whatever, I'm I'm just glad that the health benefits of it is coming out, and it's not guys just trying to walk around using drugs for their own rec- recreational use. Guys really need it. Yeah, and it's 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 the better a way of, and it's a better alternative. And I needed it just so everybody knows. I needed it last night. I had to get through The Irishman. It's a three and a half hour movie. I watched it. It's Loved good. it. One of my favorite movies of all time. Now, did all time of one, all time? Would you watch it in one sitting? I did. Amazing. It was what three three and a half three and a half, yeah, hours? Three and a half hours. See, see, unlike Sean, I I I needed the help of a nice, freshly rolled joint to get me through it. I knew I didn't want to go to the pills. I had to go and get my help uh, through the week. Now you're saying all time. Yeah. And and because of the the amount of 
people that they had in one movie. It's an all star cast. It's an all star cast, and I think you know they it couldn't it couldn't have been shorter than three and a half hours. I, you know what? I'm gonna actually. I thought a lot. I couldn't do it all at once. I started Wednesday night. I banged out two and a half hours. I watched the final hour last night after the Saints Falcons game. I will say, it is up there, and I, and I agree with Sean. Obviously, you're an actor, Tug. You you come from that side, the acting, the writing, directing. I think it did have to be that long. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'm interested to see it. But what else is on the uh, the best uh, best list for you, off the top of the head? Well, I, I love I love those style movies too. Um, you know, like Departed to me was great like, movie. was a great movie. Yeah. yeah, I actually I think the only the only person they was missing in this cast was Jack. Jack Nicholson. Nicholson, yeah. You know, and I, then you have to make it five hours, maybe a two part. I don't know, <laughs> but um, you know, those type of movies. And, and and get you know, honestly, it's it's funny getting a chance to work with. And I've I've probably done maybe four or five movies in my life, and and some of them are very small roles, and some of them are bigger. Um, nothing, you know, like Tug got over here. But you, you know, I've kind of, G- give me, give me the best listen, role. You, you, I've, I've worked with you. <laughs> I know the talent. What? No. What's okay? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. But you know, just what it, what it takes to put in it, right? So yeah. I, I, and you start to see things differently. Sure. And you know how long those set days are, and those twelve, or th- you know, those thirteen hour days, and and you know, the call times at six thirty in the morning. And the same scenes you got to shoot at a different camera angle and bring the same intensity. So I'm I'm watching this I'm watching this movie and you you see all these legends of you know actors in it and they're on one set and obviously they're older so they can't do some of the stuff and like the the one Robert the scene that Robert De Niro had you can tell he was seventy right I mean yeah. you, can, you can tell that he was like kicking a guy and, but um. Some of the some of the cinema when they were really up close, right? And they, in the in the dialogue that they had back and forth, I'm looking at it like people don't know this shit's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you you know you you get up, you, the camera's there, and you like, man, hold on, something is going on here. This is this is amazing. These I'm listening to the dialogue back in the conversation, and you have a a newfound appreciation for it. No, I agree. I I think it was well done. I I got to know now. What's the most ridiculous role you've done? Give give me something, and give me something all the dirt balls can watch. What's something they could find through a little deep Sean Merriman dive? Give me a role you played where you're like, "What the hell did I just do?" Uh, <laughs> something that never came out. Okay. Uh, me, myself and Terry Crews. Okay. Um, we we did something with Funny or Die. Back, it was one of my very first things that I did, but I I spent a lot of time preparing for this thing because I really wanted to do more things on screen, and um, it was with Ter- you know Terry Crews. Yeah, of course. Like early mid like mid two thousands, like two thousand six yeah. or somewhere around there, and um, it was a funnier die scene where we got married. Me and Terry, you Cruz, and Terry Crews got yeah, married. Yeah, we got married, <laughs> and. Um, we like did some crazy like stuff like we adopted an Asian kid. <laughs> we got we got married this scene. We had people out there were throwing the stuff for us. Did anybody wear a dress or no? Uh, no, I think we both we both had on tuxedos. Suits? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then at the end we had a, a a scene that we were both like we grew old together. Our, our kid like Asian our Asian kid that we adopted <laughs> grew older. And we sent them off to college, so we're sitting there like hu- hugging with each other, with arms around each other. But no, no. But this how the, the, how it started was even 
crazier, right? When you say the most craziest thing I did, we were I, I tackled him, and uh, we were in a football game. And once I tackled him, I was laying on top of him, and while we were looking at each other's eyes, we dazed off into everything that happened. Ah, oh. you know, that's that's how the scene yeah. started. I like it. And uh, it was I, it t- t- still to this day. If it, I wish it would have came out because it was one of the funniest things that I've ever done in my life. But uh, we grew older together, so they made us both look like we're eighty years old at the end. How long? Did, how long was the shoot for this? It was all day. So it was just one day. It was just one. It was just one day uh, that we did. I mean, it was it was really good though. I wonder who has that. It's out there. Somebody at Funny or Die. Yeah, somebody at Funny or Die has it. They what, they have it. What time frame are we saying? Do you know? Mid, mid like two thousand five or six, somewhere around there. So like right when you got to the league. Yeah, this is probably about my second or third year in the NFL. Absolutely amazing. Two last questions: Have you heard of Gangstars? Lights out. Lights out. Is it a, is yeah, it a song? song? Yeah. No. I so don't think so, so check that out when you're, when you're driving home today. Lights out by Gangstar. Number two, the second question I have is: You've obviously sacked tons of quarterbacks. How do you uh, cl- do? You collect memorabilia of players that you sacked, or um, do you have like a trophy room at home of of I don't know jerseys. Did you ever, did you ever do this, the jersey swap with any players? No, that wasn't big back yeah. with, with me, and that's kind of a a weird thing it's now. A, it's a millennial thing, man. Very very millennial thing, um, because at that time, after I just take take a if I took a loss, I don't want your damn jersey. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't. Yeah, you know, but. Um, you know, like uh, Peyton Manning gave me his practice, his Pro Bowl practice jersey. Like I still have Peyton Manning's Pro Bowl practice jersey. Oh, cool! Uh, I have a Zach Thomas helmet. Um, I have Ray Lewis stuff and people who I admired and played against and stuff like that. But I'm not going to Tom Brady after the game. Like, hey man, let's just no man. I hate you while we're here. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna stay that way. Yeah, I might see you in the in the off season at a charity event or golf outing or something that you know I'm coming to support. Yeah. Um, but right now, I don't want to talk to you. Sure. You know, I, and if I want it that bad, I'll go to that silent auction over there and just buy it and have you to sign it. Or, you know, something. Yeah. But um, and I, I don't know if that's a old school way of thinking. I just I just think that that's a it's a competitive side of me that's, sure. that's never going to, you know, never really going to change. Yeah. No, I get it. I feel you. Sean, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Where can people follow you on social media? Fo- Obviously, you have all the stuff going on with Lights Out, your new website, you, you know, the, the fighting stuff. Lay it all out there. Yeah, uh, follow me at Sean Merriman on, on Twitter and um, and Instagram. It's Sean with the knee because a lot of people <laughs> like searching like Sean Merriman. And then follow us, uh, my MMA, our MMA league, uh, Lights Out Extreme Fighting. So on, on uh, Instagram and Twitter, it's Lights Out XF. On Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. You guys can follow us, of course, at The Dirty Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Me at Andy Ruther. Joe Prano at Joe Prano on Instagram and at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Tug, you've been an amazing intern today. You might have replaced Aaron. I love Aaron. But Aaron's irreplaceable. His hot takes and his white claws cannot be replaced. I agree. uh, It's great to be here with you. You are the Taysom Hill of Dirty Sports. You are the Swiss Army Knife. Um, next week, I'm going to need you to clean my bathroom. So uh, Build your Murphy bed. Build my Murphy bed. Where can people follow you on social, buddy? At Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. It's always great to see my man, Sean, representing the DMV every day. And uh, it's great to have you guys on the show. And thanks for having me on the show, guys. Of course. Anytime. All right, guys. That's the show. Have a great week. 
And most importantly, stay dirty.